This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. No, 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 What is that? That's Nobody But Me. Nobody can do the shimmy like I do. Is this the start of the show? I actually don't. I don't know if we legally can start the show like that. I tell you what, man, in August, what you find me in New York City, every chair I sit in is a goo chair. This is what you don't understand, Kissel, because you have said, we have not gone through the outline just yet, but... There's a lot of goo chairs in this episode. Oh, all right. Well, this is the last podcast on the left. I am Ben. That's Henry. Ugh, and man. Well, actually, I'm Ben. That's Marcus. Yeah, that But is. Henry is in the room, so I am sorry, Marcus. I am slick with it today. Yeah, you it look just, wet. New York gets it out of me. Ooh. I get all covered in syrup, which is kind of good for the episode. I'm actually really happy that it worked out right. like this. There's uh-huh. so much old ladies slathered in syrup in this. Just all their knees all covered in it. And, the, and the, what you're going to see is that technically with Betty and Dreesen, it's like I always picture my mom anyway, so just imagine my mom all slick with oil. And- all right. Well, I have not read this outline yet, so it's going to be new to me as well. Today, we're going to get out of this world, which I'm actually really happy to do. I, yeah. th- this, this world's not very good right now. No, it's not so good. I'm happy to get out of this world. The Andreessen Affair. That is the name of today's episode, The Andreessen Affair. And I'm, I'm assuming it's not a couples issue? No, no, no. 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 It, okay. is a, no. it is a singles issue. Oh, okay. It is very much a singles issue, as are many. <laughs> alien abduction episodes. So we're, we're doing alien abductions. And again, what, what I'm really excited for, again, sci-fi and the idea of aliens and UFOs for me is an optimistic view. Mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes do they scrape the eggs. Yeah. But you weren't going to use all them eggs. No. Half the time, ever, how many women just shoot the eggs out all the time? Absolutely. <laughs> so, and men, we have an abundance of, of, the, uh, of the substance that goes into an egg. Can I ask a weird thing? What? Okay. Do you know, like, after you have an orgasm as a man yes so like 20 minutes later do your like balls tingle like for me and my idea is that it's my eggs my my, my, my balls are getting filled back up yeah yeah could be yeah I, I just picture <laughs> i just picture like um like santa claus's like um workhouse mm-hmm. you know and everyone's just like putting them back together yeah just squeezing sperms out of a tube <laughs> this is not the greatest workshop to be in i don't know what i did <laughs> it to smells be here. like ammonia oh no well, the Andreessen Affair was an abduction scenario that occurred in 1967 Ooh. in which a mother of seven from Massachusetts named Betty Andreessen was supposedly abducted from her home and taken to a faraway planet and or dimension. 
I don't know why you keep saying supposedly. (laughs) (laughs) We need to be fair. I guess. Is this fair and balanced? Is that what the last podcast has become? Yes, it is. This abduction is somewhat unique in that the abductee was devoutly religious and seemed to intertwine her abduction experience with archaic symbols of Christianity despite having no knowledge of said symbols. Hold on a second. Do you mean to tell me that someone who is deeply religious might believe in something that doesn't exist? Hey, is that possible? Come on, come on. Hey, hey, that, hey, am I going hey, hey, to... Hey, buddy, turn your shade down about six notches. <laughs> this is important. For this episode, it's really important for you to open your perspective. Okay. Yeah. Because this this is it's very interesting. Well, we're going to get into what I think, especially with something like this. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to cover this. It's one of the most well-documented abduction cases of all time uh, in terms of the most info from an abductee to come out to record the entire abduction scenario is, is, is it's very psychedelic. It's very interesting. And what we're seeing here for me is a perfect example of the psychic slash physical nature of the alien problem. Mm. And what where it's where Betty Andreessen kind of shows because this is an early on abduction. Yeah. This is like this is from 19, the 1960s. So what you're going to find out is that a lot of this is is about the question of what is real and what is knowledge, Marcus? Yeah. This is a bad, bad first day. <laughs> when you say alien problem, Henry, are you admitting it's an issue? Do you do you see the aliens as a problem? Uh, I believe, hmm. <sighs> as he <laughs> looks away like a, me looking at a large pizza. If aliens are a nuts and bolts scenario, if aliens are on another planet, I'm also, this is off of me reading the three-body problem, the whole dark forest theory, which if you're going to read that, you got to read that to understand where I'm at. You, first of all, you pieces of shit. To get into climbing into this fucking cockpit, you're going to need a, a medallion. Okay. All right? And so the if there are actual aliens on other planets, if they find them or if we accidentally reach them, if we find them or if they find us accidentally, we're fucked. Yeah. Okay. Um, we are, we're fucked. Whatever they are, they're going to come. They're going to destroy us. But if it's a psychic problem and in the end, it is really all about knowledge is power. Reading is a rainbow. <laughs> a, every a book can take you anywhere. Right. Um, a pamphlet is your magic carpet. Okay. Very good. <laughs> well, Betty took numerous conventional lie detector tests as well as some more experimental ones, and she easily passed all of them. Wow. But all that proves is that she believes her story. Right. Now, but she has quite a few believers on her side, including Raymond Fowler, author of the book The Andreessen Affair, which is the most extensive study on the case. She also has our old friend, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Oh. No one wore a Van Dyke better than <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, absolutely. Hynek is all over alien lore. Huh? He is. Well, he's one of the originators. I see. Because you may recall Dr. Hynek from our Hudson Valley UFO sightings mm-hmm. episode as the co-author of the book Night Siege. Now remember, Hynek was the real deal. He worked on Project Sign, Project Grudge, and Project Blue Book. He was the heavy. He was the bad guy. The whole point of Dr. J. Allen Hynek on Project Blue Book was like, convince me. Yeah. Like, because he was a scientist. His job was to be hired by the government, essentially to say all of this shit is air balloons or swamp gas. Right. But after years and years of researching into the problem, which we're going to see happens again and again with a lot of these scientists, mm-hmm. he started getting a lot of doubts because okay. it's a really just about w- what are the nature of aliens? What are we looking at? There's something here. 
everyone can't always be lying. So he's sort of an alien deep throat, kind of a whistleblower. Somewhat. Sure. Be- okay. Because yeah. he was one of the guys on uh, Project Blue Book, because mm. when they put Project Blue Book back, when they gave Project Blue Book to the government, they said, like, okay, we can explain all these, and all the rest of these we just can't explain. Like, uh. we can't, we're not saying they're UFOs, but we, they're not, we're not saying they're aliens, but we can't explain them. Yeah, so and, what's the right. U and UFO fucking stand for? Unidentified. <laughs> so if it comes down to it, it's like, right. it's unidentified. We didn't know what it is. That's where the question is. So put your question mark hat on right. and think about it for a little bit and let it be, let it roll around in your brain and make things difficult mm-hmm. for you like and, it did for me. And take all of the files that we don't understand and put them under the letter X for some reason. I don't know. I just think it's it sounds cool. fun. And we'll, maybe a movie or a show could come along called The X-Files. It'd be kind of cool. Well, when Hynek finally came to believe in UFOs, he came up with the famous Close Encounters scale, which mm. you can learn all about on our Hudson Valley UFO episode. We went into it pretty extensively but for this episode we're going to be focusing on a close encounter of the fourth kind meaning the person involved was actually abducted by alien beings and it sounds like this (laughs) (laughs) it's an alien reaching out and touching somebody oh my promise that it normally god it's always got to do with the pee pee and bajanta well i don't know it sounds like that person has the body of stretch armstrong (laughs) which is not good what do you mean that's not what humans sound like Touch me. <laughs> Hold on. All right, I'm touching Henry now. I know it's audio. It actually is what humans sound like. That's incredible. Well, psychedelic warrior Jacques Vallée expanded upon the fourth encounter scale by adding, quote, cases when witnesses experienced a transformation of their sense of reality, which brings the close encounter scale into the psychedelic realm. You didn't mm. say it correctly. Technically, it is cases when witnesses experience a transformation of their sense of reality. Ooh. That's how he speaks. He's very official sounding. And I guess what, man? Yeah. He's got big, weird hair. That's cool. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Jacques Vallée footage recently. I haven't really watched him in, in like, to go. The accent makes him fuckable, mm-hmm. but the hair, it's not good. Yeah. He's got—he's like a conehead of a conehead, a full head of gray hair. <laughs> Probably help out a little bit to fit in. He sounds like he has, uh, he loves the white bread, not the crust, liverwurst. <laughs> you slap that on there. Little sandwiches. I just see him with a lot of little sandwiches. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, of course. Well, as Fowler writes in The Andrews and Affair, even though encounters of the fourth kind may be the key to understanding the whole phenomenon of aliens as we know it, close encounters of the fourth kind are, by definition, too weird to be believed. To be realized. (laughs) And that's the problem. If you're too weird to be realized, then you are too weird to be written to an academic journal. Uh Which is what they're trying to say, is that there's because of the nature of close encounters of the fourth kind, nobody wants to really tackle the problem because it's really difficult to get the funding that you need to show up and be like, shit's all fucked up and it's kind of trippy, man. If that's the answer at the end of the months-long research process, right. they don't they don't want to give you money for that. That's great. Well, here's the way that Fowler lays it out. Okay. Imagine being a bear. Kissel? Kissel, I'm talking to I you can, It's actually not that much of a stretch. Okay. I got it. I was yeah. just camping last weekend. Yeah. I did some bear-like activities. Yeah, imagine you're a bear. You're just hanging out, doing bear stuff. Cool. You've never... <laughs> a fish there. <laughs> Did you shit in a river again? <laughs> Did Dave Kaler have to hold your hand while you shat in the river? Did you get like a secret memo? <laughs> We're not going to discuss what I do in rivers or what I don't do in rivers. Okay, imagine you're this bear and you've never had contact with humans. Suddenly, you see this gigantic, definitely, deafeningly loud 
big black bird in the sky. Oh, <laughs> that's my bear impression. So you feel a slight pinch, oh. and then you pass out. Oh. And when you wake up, there's some weird shit attached to your neck, and you got no idea what happened. Now to us, it's obvious that the blackbird was a helicopter, the pinch was a tranquilizer dart, and the weird shit is a tracking collar. Because we're the people in the big black bird with the tranquilizer darts. Yeah. I was but, actually pretty confused about that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. got it. But try to imagine being a bear and explaining that whole experience to other bears. Right. Stop. It's just guys going... <laughs> yeah. And then they're like... <laughs> That's a doubting bear, brother. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, Timmy the bear, how the hell did you learn how to ride a unicycle? And that's a whole story he's got to explain. And all of a sudden, you're fired from your bear job of being the honeycomb scratcher. I don't know what bear jobs would be. About right. But you're fired from that because no one takes you fucking seriously. I yeah. See. Yeah, exactly. Everyone, all the other bears would think you're crazy. Such is the nature of a close encounter of the fourth kind. I see. So this is the equivalent of this woman coming out on a unicycle with a little hat and everyone's like why do you look like a circus creature and Mm -hmm. she's like this is the new me yeah yes but a part of this is at this point in time so when we're going to get into this when betty andreessen comes forward and talks about the abduction this is after there's a little bit of loosening in ufo thought J. Allen heineck was one of these people these are pure nuts and bolts ufo guys Mm -hmm. J. Allen heineck was only interested in in sightings and things that could be measured he wanted to get he wanted evidence. He wanted right. charring from if a UFO landed. He wanted to hmm. see the indentations, big on indentations, yeah. which shows sure. a lot about their chairs and their homes. <laughs> Where he's like, you know, he's just like, you know, you didn't sit in a chair if there's no outline of your butt in it, and that's just because you read a lot, Jay. But he started to open up his mind a little bit because Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind we're going to see this is kind of where Jacques Vallée and that whole postmodern view of aliens being a psychedelic experience starts coming forward and this idea that it's not Mm. maybe just ships in the sky it could be something that's a little bit more wiggity than that that's interesting you mentioned chairs and indentations camping this weekend there was a moment where my chair said I've had enough and it tapped out (laughs) and it just went like into the ground five inches I was sipping a Bud Light and it was just the, the one ounce that broke the chair's back. You are, I, it was embarrassing. You're a step closer to being a ufologist. No, thank you. <laughs> now, even though Heineck was the man who originally brought Betty Andreessen's story to the world, she was not, he was not the first person she went to. See, for years, Betty, like many abductees, had only a vague recollection of what she said happened. Mm. Then, in 1974, seven years after the abduction, she was reading the National Enquirer, back when it was still a fun paper full of Bigfoots and Elvis sightings. Yep. The only time they mentioned the president was to say that he was canoodling with aliens. And yeah. not just people that? from Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> So Betty's reading the paper when she sees a call for alien abduction stories. Okay. So she wrote in with hers, but much to the detriment of the Inquirer, they rejected her story. It was too weird for the Inquirer? Well, you're going to hear the nature of the story. It is very strange. And yeah. the very the, the very ter- scratch of the surface of her story is pretty ordinary. Okay. And I imagine that they were like, oh, we've heard this a thousand times. And it wasn't until they cracked open Betty Andreessen's mind that they were like, oh, whoa. there's like a whole fucking lore here. Well, I yeah. guarantee you World Weekly News would have picked this up. Oh, yeah. World Weekly News. Weekly the- World News. Weekly World. I guarantee yeah. you Weekly World News would have picked this up. That was the greatest little like magazine that you would get on the check aisle. Yeah. Check out my aisle. favorite. No, I wouldn't be sitting here right now if it wasn't for the Weekly World News. What are the kids nowadays going to get? 
Is it us? <laughs> is it really no, it? Is no, this no, what they get? No. Well, after getting rejected by the National Enquirer, Betty saw an ad in a local paper Ooh. from none other than J. Allen Hynek. Because yep. Hynek was just posting random ads in local newspapers all over the country on behalf of the Center for UFO Studies, a.k.a. Kufos. So, yeah, man. So if you want to get if you want to get a big abducted fish, you got to put out that proper proper bait, mm, which is little articles in the classified section. Right. Because if you've been abducted, you're spending a lot of time in the classified <laughs> section. Sure. And what else do fish have? Eggs. <laughs> what? So, fish have egg, eggs. eggs for scraping. Oh, I love caviar. <laughs> have you had, when's the last time you've had caviar? Oh, oh I like I it more it in one sushi. Time. I, caviar freaks me out. Uh-uh, I don't like it. Well, I don't I like, like the way it pops. Uh-uh. Oh, it's no, it's nasty. I don't like it. I don't like the little caviars, but I like the ones in sushi, the big ones, so you can really get all that egg juice and yeah. it gushes into the back there's of your throat. A, there's a Venn diagram between being really, 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 really rich and extremely poor where they just both eat disgusting things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> So Betty, after seeing this ad, she tried again, and Heineck, he is totally upfront in saying that he originally threw her letter in the crank pile. Well, in his forward for the Andreessen affair by Raymond Fowler, he definitely does a whole like, I didn't believe in her story, I thought she was full of shit, I, uh, <laughs> matter of fact, I thought she was a daffy loony bitch, I mean, like, he is hard, he's really hard on yeah, her. He's harsh. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to see his crank file. That sounds like an awesome book. But for some reason, he felt he needed to take another look and decided upon a second reading that at least someone should give this story a shot. So he kicked it on over to MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. Yes, and VIP Investigator 27093. That's me. Okay. And they handed it to their humanoid study group. I love it. <laughs> We're just, I can't wait to be a part of one of these study groups, man. I still got to do my shadow hours. Once I get in there, then I can form my own group, yeah. the humanoid study group, and it's going to be them studying me. Once yeah, we get absolutely. done with the book, you can start your shadow hours. We can all get back to our regular scheduled programs. Thank you. <laughs> Very cool. So finally, in 1977, an official investigation was spearheaded by none other than Jules Valencourt whose only mention online is his Facebook profile, last updated in 2010, in which the only two posts were about a lake in Massachusetts oh. and an announcement of a new email address. He was let go. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> he had, I mean, it's hard. I knew it was him, though, because the profile picture, the only picture uploaded was him grinning while holding a sign that said Area 51. He was oh. very happy with it. He was I, very pleased. I okay. love our officers of MUFON. I really do, <laughs> but I do wish they could up the pizzazz, at least make it a little bit more professional. And I'll show the lanyard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do wish that there was a movie call or a TV show called Crank Files yeah. instead of the X Files, and it would star Michael Richards and Fran Drescher. Yeah, it was and it old... would be a different kind of show. I yeah. tell you what, I'd watch that episode, but on the Spice Channel called <laughs> Crank Files with Fran Drescher. Ooh, she was a looker back I love and I think I love her voice, and she's very funny. I love it too. She ran for governor. So when the story went to MUFON, it caught the attention of Raymond Fowler. Okay. A Fowler was actually the one who wrote one of the earliest editions of the the MUFON Investigator's Field Manual, a document that I have no doubt, Henry, at this point in your MUFON career, you must have seen the Field Investigator's Manual. I have it. It's 45 pages long. It's very... It's a, <laughs> it, it, They sent it to you in a PDF, and then they offered to send you a hard copy. It costs, I think, $15 to get a hard copy. But yes. it's like, but I already have the PDF. And they're like, but what about notes? And I'm like, well... You can make notes in a PDF now, and they're like, what? And I was like, is it still 1985 over there, guys? It's like, no, man. 
Look at this, dude. Look at my new glasses. They got a Pizza Hut. They're like Back to the Future glasses. No, they're yeah, 3D pretty- glasses from 1997. Oh, okay. Cool. But even though Fowler was a bigwig at MUFON, he also acted as a scientific associate at KUFOS. And I'll actually, I'll have to admit, like, it's pretty strange to see two UFO organizations working so well together because usually UFO organizations are notoriously guarded with their cases and can be horribly envious of each other. Which we saw in our Men in Black episodes mm-hmm. where they fight all the time. You know what it is? It's that it's the Godfather came in and he he deliberated between the clans. Heineck is the godfather. Yes, in this Heineck scenario. came in, he was saying, oh, yes, and they're all like sitting uh-huh. in a chair and it's dark and it's not because it's mysterious, it's because they did not have the money for the electric bill. Okay. <laughs> and they're sitting in a table, I'm certain it's some form of restaurant where there's a lot of carbs involved and he got they fucking just enjoyed themselves. And I but I, you know what it is? It's because yeah. Mufon was taking the abduction cases. Yeah. Because Heineck was all about sightings. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. And so a part of it mm. was that he he let them have it. It was their jurisdiction. Oh. You know, for, it's always funny when the medians are like, well, the median has got to be between four and five. That is the only hour they have half off apps. Uh, <laughs> and if it goes one minute longer, I, we're not buying anymore. We're not buying it. There's a lot of half off apps in the world of ufology. <laughs> well, I thought it was but the, the reason why they kind of kicked it over to Mufon was because no one really took in Betty Andreessen seriously because she there was no evidence besides just her testimony. Well, they didn't, and it, but they knew that they could get the guy that they needed through Mufon. It's it's very, you know. I get it. I, oh, I, yeah, I get of it. Of course, this is this, that's why it went in the crank file. Yeah, but okay. nevertheless, Fowler joined Valencourt and Heineck, and the team gained another member. Hmm. All they needed now was a hypnotist. I'm a hypnotist. <laughs> hey, one, two, three. Now you're a chicken. One, two, three. You don't smoke. One, two, three. You're smoking again. Ah, hypnotist has power over everyone. Uh, 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 Mr. Hypnotist, uh, right now I'm currently a smoking chicken. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can you just can you get me out of the chicken or not have me smoke? First, I'm going to need you to give me five five stars of my hypnotist-only app. I'm going to need you to do that, and I'm going to need you to sign up for the mailing list. Uh, I'm just going to need you to do that. Don't worry. I'm not, you're not going to get a lot of spam. How many times you Get the email. Updates. How many emails a week? Two, three times a day. But it's <laughs> mostly know. just you want to be up to date with what I've done to other people. I turn people into lizards. I turn people into d- eggs. I actually don't mind being a chicken that smokes. <laughs> That's how it always works. <laughs> well, the thing about close encounters of the fourth kind is that in almost every case, the meat of the experience is either hazy or blocked altogether, mm. with the abductees usually only remembering the beginning and the end. Now, say all you want about hypnotic regression therapy, because admittedly, it did destroy quite a few lives during the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, unfortunately, in the fourth kind area, it's pretty much the only tool at the ufologist's disposal. Okay. This is what we got. Yeah. All right? This is just, this is what they have to do. So, a part of this episode, I mean, if you're already listening to this episode... God, you're sexy. Uh-huh. God, you have the tools, what it takes to make it in this world. All right? But the second time, you also have the imagination to maybe allow yourself to believe in this. And a part, it's like, I don't know about the re- regression. I don't really know. Yeah. But it, what you're going to see in this case is that the shit that pops out of the back of her head, she is either an incredible storyteller or something happened. Mm-hmm. Something like this happened. Like, and so we'll, we'll see. Let's ease up. On, and then allow ourselves to believe for a little bit, and then okay. we can go back to your small worlds filled with your taxes and your orthopedic shoes. Well, if you don't pay taxes, you go to prison like Wesley Snipes. Then you actually are in a small world. Yeah, that's the problem. 
So the hypnotist the team chose was Harold J. Edelstein, director of the New England Institute of Hypnosis, a.k.a. NAY. What's an acronym that sounds like a horse queef? NAY. According to Fowler, as of 1977, Edelstein was one of the few people to have pursued the art of hypnosis as a full-time career. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, how do you sit your parents down and just be like, that math degree I got, not going to use it. No, I'll tell you exactly. Go you, sit hypnotism. Down. you go like, Mom, Dad, I have something important to say. All right, this is not about my sexuality. Hey, if you're gay, it's not a problem. No, no, I'm this actually, is not about my sexuality. It runs in the I know. family. I, I, I'm, thank you. We've thank always you thought support. you were gay. Follow the jewel. Oh, oh. <laughs> two. Three oh. deeper. Oh, and deeper. Barb, I think he's gay. No, deeper. No, okay. No, no, no. This okay. is not about my sexuality. <laughs> okay. Follow the jewel. It's on. A, it's on a pendulum. Okay. One, two, three. I'm a hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> not gay though, huh? <laughs> I'm really hoping that you were going to be gay. Okay. Well. Well, Edelstein followed the trail that was blazed by the famed Ronald Sprinkle, Ph.D. <laughs> He's just... A, How does that man not make ice cream? <laughs> he, a, he wanted to get away from the stigma. His name is Ronald Sprinkle, <laughs> Ph.D. Wanted, Ronald Sprinkle, Ph.D. He wanted to be taken serious in a science that he could be taken seriously in but no, with but, the name Dr. Sprinkle. <laughs> right. Yeah, usually PhD, like in the brain, you're like, okay, an academic, but Ronald Sprinkle PhD. <laughs> no, it, it actually up. makes him sound more juvenile. I went to nine years of ice cream school. <laughs> yeah. He had to get very serious. That's the opposite. I imagine Ronald Sprinkle would like, he'd hit you if you look, if you, if you pushed him, he'd oh, hit you. A person named Ronald Sprinkle has a very short temper yeah. on account of being constantly mocked. I did some uh, a little bit of research on Ronald Sprinkle, uh, PhD. His professional name is R.L. Sprinkle, <laughs> uh, but and but apparently by a lot of uh, accounts, he's like the nicest, kindest man. He do better anything be. for it. <laughs> well, I like him. Well, I'm not. Gonna, uh, well, thank he's you. A very, for being a he's nice a very guy. sweet, and and that's actually that's the thing about like alien abduction scenarios and people that study aliens. These are very sweet people for the most part very few of them are awful okay you have to be pretty genuine yeah that's a part of with me with my ufo stuff it's out there i know i'm i'm being vulnerable i'm hanging my butt out the window for anybody to come <laughs> and stick their finger up it when i know oh for a fact i'm just a man who wants to believe i yeah. just i'm looking for something some form of meaning in this on this rock <laughs> that's circling the blazing sun Right. I'm pretty sure that's how Charles Manson got most of his cult members. Hell yeah, man. I'm <laughs> on my way. the exact same thing. <laughs> well, it was Ronald Sprinkle, Ph.D.'s assertion that repressed memories of UFO abductions could be brought to the surface by hypnotic regression. Hmm. And that's exactly what they did to Betty Andreessen over a 12-month, 14-session ordeal in which investigators say Betty never once contradicted herself despite rigorous Cross examination. Really, they do show that in the they do show that in the book mm -hmm. very thoroughly. She tells the same story again and again. Yeah. So that's that's a part. That's one. Mm -hmm. That's one score on the believability scale. And the, and all the lie detector stuff. Uh, but you also have to have a hundred percent faith that. Uh, Fowler is not judging the truth just a little bit. He could be. He could it's, be. But yeah. a part of it's a showman. Yeah. A part of it, you have to be a showman in order to sell your side of the story. And then again, those who write the books create the reality. Mm -hmm. And in creating a consensus reality, which Jacques Vallée says again and again, was again he's another doctor mm -hmm. who said that, like again, if everybody believes it to be real, it then becomes real. Yeah. We're talking about here the nature of knowledge and reality and what it means to perceive something. And a part of it is that sometimes you got to sell that story and in a way... Mm -hmm. You're making it real. 
just feel like Jacques Vallée has uttered the sentence like, you see that as a wooden chair. I see that as a full workout equipment set. <laughs> Dude, you can work your triceps, work your biceps. You see yourself as a woman with clothes on who is not interested in Jacques Vallée, but uh, I will tell you, you are in fact a woman with no clothes on you who is absolutely in love with the Jacques Vallée. <laughs> You got liverwurst all over your face. <laughs> so much liftover. Sweet liverwurst all over my beard, all over the set of my cheeks. Man, anything in a French accent just works. <laughs> Lucky people. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You bet your dog. But you're going to learn about Bark. To the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay! Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers! My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for their little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And, oh, they love their life. And they love the, They love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why... As I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help 
And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So before we get to the story itself, let's get to know Betty and the Andreessons just a bit. Okay. Betty was a married mother of seven, with kids ranging from 11 to three. And they all lived in a small town in northern Massachusetts called South Ashburnham. Can I ask? It's like, it's some weird Massachusetts, because they they miss a bunch of letters. Yeah. So it's always like South, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's someone's gonna call, like, someone's gonna send us a tweet about how it said some stupid way that we could right. never have guessed in a million Can years. Can I just ask, though, is there a North Boston? Everything is South. <laughs> no, I have never heard anything that's ever happened in North Boston. Yeah, that's like Cambridge and shit. Yeah, that's, that's where all, it's the, nice. yeah, that's oh, where that's all the colleges that. are. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Um, by the seventh child, do you just like shoot it into a spittoon? Do you just like <laughs> do your legs just you just step to like in a cowboy stance and just let it go like you're letting a tic tac out of your butt? Yeah, and then it spelunks down like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Is that the deal? Yeah. Okay. Well, Betty was a devoutly religious person <laughs> of the fun fundamental Christian variety Uh. who believed in a literal interpretation of the Bible. In other words... She wasn't necessarily primed for abstract thinking. Or is she the most primed for abstract thinking that you actually think this shit? You actually do believe that Jesus created many fish for all the people to have fish and that he went into whale. I don't. It does. It does. You have faith is just no longer critically thinking. So, yes, they do. uh, They do have an alien like fascination. But what's weird is or the ability. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. And we'll and we're definitely going to get into this uh, much more later on. But her opinion of hypnotism is interesting because she was anti hypnotism because she thought it was of the devil. Yeah. So it's weird. It's also with a weird close-mindedness thing where she believes the Bible and then everything else is either witchcraft or fake. They're putting cheese in the crust on the Pizza Hut pizzas now. That's against the law. <laughs> that's against. That's for the devil. Yeah, but please, I mean, do not get us wrong. We're not saying she's dumb or lesser than or no. anything of the sort. Because you know, she seems like a very nice lady with the best of intentions. Yes, and if you are religious, you're that is totally fine. Yeah, we, and that's we're doing whatever we can do to survive in this weird little place. Do whatever the fuck you want to do, man. You know, I sit and I fucking drink scotch, eat dark chocolate, I spoke rip bongs, and I fucking watch horror movies. That's my shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All we're really saying is like we're not really sure that Betty has the kind of mind that makes up a story like the one we're about to tell. Okay, I, I make just, a bunch of stories. Man. I just wish a seventeen-year-old you could talk to you now and be like, "You're doing what? You're doing what I want to do <laughs> now, oh, yeah, dude? But, yeah, fucking man, fucking all you gotta do is just fucking get it going, dude." He's like, yeah. "What do you mean?" She's like, seven years of hard work." Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seven years of just pure like misery. Yeah. 
<laughs> but then you get whiskey, dark chocolate, and a box. Yeah, that's you get. Yeah, I got fucking, you know, all that shit's great. They get some whiskey during that hard work period. Too. Oh, yeah, but it was Canadian mist. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was so Canadian hard. mist that he had to count out change to, so he could buy said Canadian mist to drink in the morning to get through his temp job. Yeah. Normal. Normal. <laughs> yeah, we won't go, we won't do a deep dive on that. I called it work juice. <laughs> it was really fucked up. It was a dark period in my life. Sure, sure. So a couple days before Christmas in 1966. Well, wait, all right, so we're getting this going. Yeah, okay. we're getting this going. Yeah, they, I mean, this is like the this is a bit of, still a bit of the backstory. A little okay. bit of the backstory. Just remember this. All right, we get in the. I'm gonna need you to oh, open your perception. Yeah, okay. let's get it going. Yeah, fucking spark a bell. Fucking get ready to get. Okay. Tell your boss to go fuck himself. Well, don't do <laughs> that. Leave your job. Okay. And go listen to this in the park. So a couple days before Christmas in 1966, Betty's husband, James, had a bad car accident, which put him in traction for months. Mm. Since Betty needed help with the seven kids, her parents moved in temporarily. Not much is said about Betty's mother, Eva, as she doesn't really play a part in this tale because she wasn't home when it all happened. Yeah, she was getting plowed by the fire department. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's true. Eva, that's, I haven't heard that name since Wally. Yeah, right? Yeah. I haven't heard that name since Hitler's fucking wife. Okay, well. Well, it's a different kind of Eva. Well, the parent who does play a part in this story is Betty's father. Okay. Wayno Aho, who is a Finnish immigrant. Wayno Aho? Yeah. That's I'm a sure great... Wayno? Why do we ever shorten that to Wayno is the best? I think that it must be pronounced like Viano. <laughs> yeah. Viano. 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 I don't know. Finnish. Van- please tell us. We don't know anything about Finnish. No. No. Okay. So on the evening of January 25th, 1967, the kids were all in the living room with Wayno watching Bozo the Clown on TV while Betty was in the kitchen. Because apparently, I guess Bozo was primetime in those days. Okay. It was. He was primetime and he is fucking frightening. <laughs> Bozo, I never, I was frightened from uh, of Bozo from day one. I loved Bozo. You were a big Bozo Woke guy. Woke up every morning and watched Bozo on WGN before I went to school. I did emulate the the ball game. Yeah, the grand prize the, game. Yeah, the grand prize, yeah. But it's interesting is that any Anybody could be Bozo. Bozo was just like an entity. Yeah. Like, so anybody could be Bozo. Is it wasn't right? just one guy. Yeah. I thought it was so, just one guy. No. Well, it, was a, it was a series of guys on the TV, but they franchised Bozo, so Bozo could de- appear be anywhere. anywhere. So yeah, literally yeah, yeah. his spirit, like the Wendigo, yeah. could appear anywhere at any time. Anybody could become Bozo. Bozo yeah. was at my Piggly Wiggly, as a matter of fact. I did not know that was not the real Bozo. No. But okay. No, that was just your local Bozo. Okay. God. <laughs> then as they're watching the... T- then, as they're watching TV, in a snap, the TV blinked out along with the lights. Mm. And as the family prepared for a night in the dark, as those sorts of things used to happen a lot more often than they do now, a pink light came shining in through the kitchen wow. window. Wow. Wow. And a stillness wow. then wow. settled over the wow. house, as if wow. someone had removed wow. the molecules that wow. connect all things. Wow. Yeah, dude, they're watching, they're sitting there, they see this pink light. Everybody freezes, and then Wayno sees what's happening. Yeah. Wow, so we have seven children witnesses and Wayno. Yeah, Betty and Wayno slowly walked to the source of light coming into the kitchen. They looked out the window, and they saw four creatures. This is Wayno's account. These creatures that I saw Susan Vinzo with Betty's house were just like Halloween's freaks. I thought they had put on a funny kind of headdress imitating a moonman. It was funny the way they jumped one after the other, just like Grace Herpes. Cool. Yeah. Over when you see the art when the men are all parting the buttocks with each other, dancing and enforcing <laughs> each other into what I have heard in a certain fiction, it's a daisy chain. <laughs> <laughs> 
is finished. You know, it's, it's a different kind of world they live in. Then suddenly the light stopped, the house went black, and the whole family froze in suspended animation. The whole family, that is, except Betty. Okay. She watched as the four beings walked through the kitchen door itself without opening it and stood in front of her. The that- way she described it was the way she described it was very interesting. They walked single file through the house and she said the way they did it was like um they walked together on a network and as they came through they walked in line in a weird syncopation and she said it was like watching them all hop it's very psychedelic yeah interesting so they walked through the wall in an orderly fashion high strangeness yeah high strangeness high strangeness and uh, we're about to hear a quote from betty herself because we actually have a ton of quotes from betty because a lot of the book the andreessen affair is just transcripts of the hypnotic session that she had with the investigators. So this was Betty's first impression upon seeing the beings. I'm thinking they must be angels because Jesus was able to walk through doors and walls and walk on water. Did you know that? I did know that. It must be angels. And scriptures kept coming to my mind where it says, entertain the stranger for it may be angels unawares. (laughs) Okay. What What are you feeding an angel? I don't even know. But yeah, entertain them. Well, as Betty described him, these beings were pretty much your standard alien graves. Oh. Pear-shaped head, three feet tall, black eyes, slits for nostrils in the mouth, shiny, dark blue form-fitting uniforms, three digits on each hand, and high boots. Remember this. We have only since, because of pop culture. Yeah, especially since the 90s. Yes, we've made Grays nude. Remember this. And most what were they UFO wearing before? Cups? Flannel? No, <laughs> no. They always wear little jumpsuits. Shiny black, dark blue jumpsuits. Or g- brown or green, but it's oh, they're always clothed. So this woman is like, <laughs> so this chick is just like, how are four David Bowies in my house? It's cool as shit. They got little tailors. Yeah. Oh. But there were a couple of things that set them apart. One, each alien had the insignia of a bird printed on the arm. And two, the beings were not identical to the human eye, as greys usually are. Well, they had a fucking boss. Mm Mm-hmm. One of them was a foot taller than the rest. He sat at about four feet. And in- <laughs> it's a big I didn't thing for them. How short they were? No, no dude, they're, they're really small. Yeah, okay, they're, so they're four feet is the welcome kick. to our planet. <laughs> That's racist. That's racist against the grays. But you know what it is? Is that I didn't know they is, were so short? But this is why I thought they were tall grays. No, well, this is what the boss technically was the tall gray. That is the the one that she speaks to. So the tall gray is still only four feet tall. Yes. <laughs> well, how- That's a tall gray. By okay, see, it's not a tall human. No, but this is why they always say that they were like the little people of Irish fame and of fairies and of folklore and the hidden people in Icelandic folklore. Okay, well, the one that was a foot taller from the rest, instead of having two standard alien black eyes, one of his eyes went up quickly into a slit, and he said his name. Was Quasgar. It's actually pronounced Quasgar. <laughs> Quasgar, okay. No, 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 Quasgar. Quasgar. No, no, no R. No, no R. There's no R. There's no R. No, no. just Quasgar. I don't want to be rude to this. Quasgar. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. There you You're go. getting your cum scraped. You better be nice in this. I'd be very nice. Because they will nick the tip. I'm sure they would. Now, you'd think that Betty would be losing her mind at just about this moment, but she said that the aliens, they had kind of an aura of friendliness. Okay. I think that's why we got as far as we did. Yeah. With Betty, 
she was not afraid yeah. because she had this thing in her mind, which is the comfort of faith I've mm-hmm. heard of, mm-hmm. where you sat <laughs> and you look and these things become angels. Yeah. She, her first thought, these are angels. And so she was like, what do I do? Oh, God. First, oh, first impulse. Oh, I got strangers in my house. First of all, oh, am I wearing my proper house dress? Or am I nice <laughs> right, of course. But her first impulse was like, do you want something to eat? Yeah. Yeah. And then they're just like, why is she putting angel wings on us? What is this a halo? <laughs> no, why is she doing this to us? She just straight up started being like, oh, you want food? Everybody wants food. And she started <laughs> making food. She I'm wanted not, to make food. She, I'm she not went, sure if this is recorded or not, but before the episode, Henry said that this woman reminds you of your mother. Yes. And now it's all coming <laughs> yeah, together. Yeah, it all comes together. Because okay. she went to the refrigerator and brought out like a big pile of beef. And, <laughs> and she and threw it on a skillet. Yeah, threw it on a skillet and how'd just started my, cooking them. How'd she know my favorite meal is just beef? <laughs> but I don't really understand. <laughs> understand how moms have that yeah. it's like i never have food ready to cook when no. i show up in my mom's house she's just like my mom literally last time she's like i made fresh corned beef and i was like how did you you just make this for you and dad <laughs> the thing was when she started cooking when betty started cooking not henry's mom the aliens told her quote we cannot eat food unless it is burned Really? Yeah, so Betty just rolled with it. She started burning the beef. Well, you guessed. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm not going to say here in America. Oh, this is a Here in America, we like our beef, the medium rare, which is if you look at the beef, it's got to have a pink center in the middle of it. And they're like, no, 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 please. We ask for it the way we wanted to have it. Okay, burned beef. Yeah. But right, so one burn, one for Cosgo. All right. <laughs> All right. But when the smoke started rising from the pan, the aliens started freaking out a little. Like okay. they didn't, they, she misunderstood them. So they said, quote, But that's not our kind of food. Our food is tried by fire. Knowledge tried by fire. Do you have any food like that? Oh, they want to go camping. <laughs> no, dude. No, they want knowledge. knowledge. Oh, yeah. they want knowledge. Yeah, that's knowledge. their burnt. They call knowledge burnt beef. <laughs> no, burnt, dude. Give me the burnt beef, and everyone's like, "Here's actual beef." You're like, no. no, give me a book. They want hard one. True knowledge to expand their minds. That is all they need. They don't need all they this paltry calories. They can walk through calories. doors. What, what, what more expansion do they need? Uh, that, there's much more to life than being able to walk through a door. I'd love to walk through a door I and know lose you your would. keys, walk through a door. <laughs> you can then, you, you would use it for nefarious purposes as yeah, well. Go, I'd, go into freezer, I'd go into the Arby's freezer section. Uh, I do a lot of like food digging. Yes. <laughs> for sure. But a part of it is that it's... Fucking aliens tripping all the fucking time, man. Yeah, man. I see. And they fucking need that shit up in their head, man. Last night, I've honestly, I brought some edibles with me. I was fucking popping in. I watched this great show called Thinking Aloud mm-hmm. by a psychiatrist, Rhea Jacques Vallée and Terrence McKenna on. Ooh, that's kind of knowledge, man. If I if knowledge was food, I was full, but I had a bunch of pizza, so I was also physically very you, full. <laughs> think aloud, like, uh, take a left, taking a right. Well, no, walking dude, here. No, it was a play on it, it was a tree. It was a Cars play on words. By. No, it was thinking aloud. A L L O W E D. But it sounds like thinking aloud, yeah. like you're it's saying. It's a pun. Uh, oh, it's a pun. Yeah. Well, everyone knows uh, those are fun. <laughs> They are. <laughs> well, the statement about needing you know, knowledge tried by fire, food tried by fire. I, I mean, like, remember, Betty, she's a fundamentalist Christian. Right. You know, so she really only heard knowledge tried by fire. So she led them to her living room where her family was still sitting frozen in suspended animation. Ooh. 
Yeah, and it's and fucking all your family's frozen like in a fucking uh, sound garden video. <laughs> yeah. She walks yeah. in because you remember too, their reality is now into our reality. Take all this as if it's actually happening. Their tr- constant tripping universe has just been folded on top of yours. So she's kind of tripping balls. Yeah, and she's like, knowledge tried by fire. The one book that could possibly be true twenty four seven. She went in and she grabbed her daughter's Bible ah. off of the end table and she handed it to Quasga. And in exchange, Quasga handed her a little blue book. Ooh. And this is what Betty said happened next. The leader put the Bible in his hand. <sighs> and he waved his hand over it. And other Bibles appeared. Thicker than the original. I'm like, oh, wow. That's wonderful. How impressive. Maybe bigger print. <laughs> Then he passed it to those beside him, and they took the books, and each one was spontaneous. They somehow flipped it page by page and looked down. Each page was a pure, luminous white. And I was like, are you sure you don't want beef? (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Well, you know, they say if aliens came down to Earth, it would destroy religion. But I guess for Betty, it didn't. It it added to her religion. Yeah, she just completely interpreted it as Christianity. Okay. Now, it is worth noting at this point that the Andreessen's claimed that that Bible that she gave Quasga, which the daughter Becky carried to Sunday school every week, it was a very important book to her, Mm -hmm. never seen again. Yep. Ooh. What's important to know here is that Betty was ultimately not the only person who participated in the hypnosis sessions. Even though every other family member wanted no part in any of these hypnosis sessions no. or of any fact, of this investigation. Her father was like truly mad because yeah. he tried to get him involved because he was the one who he saw a bunch of shit and he was like, no, absolutely right. not. Well, in fact, he no. had said for decades, he was like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I have no idea. But then when she started really getting into it, he was like, like, I wish you never would have gotten into this. Yeah, I remember it. Of course I remember it. Yeah, it haunts me every fucking day, and right. I don't want to ever talk about it ever again. Did yeah. the missing Bible um, correspond at all with the goth phase that her daughter inevitably <laughs> went through? Well, Becky went through harder than a goth phase. She went through a I'm a, admitting to be abducted by aliens phase, which Ooh. makes you something. So Becky came forward and said, I'll also be a part of this because she regained consciousness. So when she showed up, she saw her family frozen. She was like, oh, uh, this is really scary to me. And they're like, no, we can release them at any time. And they released Becky for a second. And she went like, oh, oh, oh. and then they shut her back down. Yeah. 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 And Becky, she was 11 years old at the time. She went through uh, the hypnotic regression. So when they spoke with her, when the hypnotist put her under hypnosis and, you know, spoke with her, they spoke to an 11 year old. Okay. Now, Becky said that she remembered being allowed to look at the book and said that the first three pages were, again, luminous white, but all the writing and illustrations were incomprehensible, like the one that was, quote, sort of a wheel, and inside were four things. Okay. You know, so it's she's 11 years old uh, in the hypnotic regression. I know how crazy all this shit sounds. We just, we're already well, here. Well, we're already I'm well here. Aware. Yeah. I'm well aware how crazy all this shit sounds. But well, we're, 11-year-olds think wild stuff. I mean, yeah, they're yeah, very we, susceptible to these things. Yeah, I, I was a horny little boy. I'm sure you were. You're a horny old man, too. <laughs> well, finally, though, Betty started to realize the gravity of the situation she and her family were in. She fearfully finally asked the aliens, what do you want? And they told her that they had come to help. 
and okay. asked if she would follow them. She fucking believed them. That's the one thing I will say about aliens. When you get really deep into it, it's not even that alien abductions are not even real. You start asking questions and sort of something like, why do we trust the aliens? Yeah. Right. You want to ask for a lawyer. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Betty kept asking more questions, but all they would say was, quote, Would you follow us? So Betty, drawing on her only touchstone, told them that she would follow them if they were of God. And this is a little thing that I don't know if you guys knew about. Uh, as she was following them, she actually passed them. They're like, can you please slow down? We have very short legs. <laughs> and then it's sort of like when I walk with you, Henry, and yes. everything's a waking nightmare for yes. you. And I have to yeah. grab on your fanny pack and hold on like you're a giant burrow. Yeah, like I'm the car and you're, you're Marty McFly on the skateboard. <laughs> uh, and when she asked them that if they were of God, she said, quote, If you are here to help and are of God... I would follow. But do not deceive me, aliens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just Dude. fucking my mother, man. Yeah, it's just I completely could... my mom. Being like, oh, how dare you? I only go with members of the clergy that will believe. Do you go of God? Because you really yeah. did believe. They're talking about it. And they're like, yeah. Yeah. We're of God. Just yeah. cut to your mother's driveway in Florida. And it's like, yeah, man, the name of our bike group is like God's Army. So like, yeah, totally come on down. She's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> So they kept repeating the follow me phrase. So finally she said yes. She got in a single file line with the aliens. And together they all glided through the wooden door as if they were on skates just as as the aliens had come inside in the first place. So Betty was able to go through the door too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, she joined their little conga line. Again, another comparison (laughs) of what is the part of the – that is cute though, Marcus. That is very cute. (laughs) He's a part of the thing that make up were very standard alien scenarios so far. She's traveling through solid objects. Um, she's traveling through solid objects. She is um, now about to enter a ship. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when they all got to the backyard, she saw your pretty standard oval UFO on struts. And the investigators, they asked Betty, how come nobody in the neighborhood saw it? But... Apparently, this was an area known for mist and fog, and weather records showed it was indeed a misty, foggy night. No, nah, man, it's not. The problem is that this again. This is where we're getting you get into wiggity territory. That ship was for Betty and Betty alone. When you show up, these every one of these experiences is a handcrafted mixture of some sort of interdimensional, either intelligence, some sort of natural spoke of the universe itself, and you were just the receptor of that spoke, mm-hmm. right? And you just slip. Yeah. But that's that is a tailor-made situation just for you. No one else is going to see that UFO. Yeah. Hmm. Is it possible that if you actually saw this in real life, you just see this woman walking alone through her yard and then climbing up into the treehouse? Well, well <laughs> maybe. Because, well, what does it look like if you see this? I don't know. I don't think you can. It's yeah. all a dream state. You yeah. can't see it. Okay. Well, once she was under the ship, Quasga raised his left hand, and Betty and the others were swooped into the ship. And after that, shit started getting real weird for Betty Andresen. Yes. Okay. Now, one of the many interesting things about this story is Betty's drawings of her experiences, a lot of them done under hypnosis. The drawings, they're very simple, but they're also very clear and very precise. She was able to draw each room that she was taken into in the UFO, and when all the drawings were put together by an engineer, they did indeed coalesce into a reasonable approximation of a ship. Cool. I mean, it's not proof, but... It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Because, again, I don't know if she necessarily 
had the wherewithal to design this ship before talking to these people. No. Right. No. Now, when they arrived on the ship, Becky said she felt weightless and icky and that her hands and legs felt like they were asleep. Which is very common in UFO scenarios. And Quasga and the others left the room and left Betty on her own. Eventually, two greys came and guided her to the center of the room, which turned out to be a transport tube leading down into another part of the ship. And that room seemed to be a decontamination room of sorts. Okay. She walked to the center of the room where beams of light were flowing from the ceiling, and when she asked what it was, they said, quote, It's just a cleansing thing. <laughs> they just... <laughs> no, that's, the actual, that's the actual quote. It's just a cleansing thing. Okay. We well, have to remember, again, when I had my out-of-body experiences tripping on mushrooms, right? I saw an entity in the back of my mind that tried to explain things to me, right? Yeah, I was tripping fucking balls. I don't know what the hell was going on. But there was a part of it that I can see. It makes a weird sense. Yeah. You could see these things. You have Betty. The idea of trying to, like, explain... What all this shit is to Ooh. you? That's a that's a whole that's a sidebar that we don't got time for. Right, right. Yeah. Like that's a whole shit. I can't. So like, it's a cleansing thing. You're yeah. gonna get zapped by the sea. It's just what it's, it's gonna do. Don't worry about it. Fucking yeah. yada yada yada. Yeah, I'm, I would love to see you like to get out of body, your soul out of body. Just the nightmare that it is to slog through all the lard. <laughs> like, oh, oh, like it's got a little hatch. You'd be like, I want to give you this out of body experience. <laughs> Currently stuck in the navel. Uh, fucking dare you to get an out of body experience. <laughs> Well, the things about this story, too, is that I do think that uh, having done hallucinogens is very helpful in Mm -hmm. understanding this story. Like, if you've done hallucinations, like, I think you're a little more like, oh, yeah, I remember that. You could could talk about it as if we're stupid or crazy. I mean, obviously you can, but I believe that the psychedelic experiences I've had are just as real as some of the more physical experiences I've had. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You fucking... Doubting Thomases. I don't think there's a lot of doubting Thomases out there. There's a lot of believing Toms. <laughs> no, the cleansing, it didn't hurt. wasn't even hot, but obviously they were getting her ready for something. Yeah. Next, they asked her to change into a white one-piece garment. Nice. Now, like, this took some convincing, as Betty was a modest woman, but eventually she agreed, and they gave her all the privacy she needed. She's okay, this must, be, this must be some kind of alien thing. I don't know. I don't like to be rude to other cultures, <laughs> except for when oh, Asian people make their food so spicy. Why is it gotta be so spicy? I don't know. <laughs> That's my mother. <laughs> that is just your mother. Purely your mother, yeah. Then came what they'd been preparing her for. They led her into a large, brightly lit, domed room with a blocky, flat, silver structure in the middle with controls and buttons and such Mm. on the side. And before she could react, she was swept up into the air and was levitated to the table. Oh, oh, it's like my wedding night. (laughs) Oh, it's never been so romantic. (laughs) Yep. When she landed, she was paralyzed. She could only lay back as the experiments began. First came the standard needle up the notes. Of course. But at the time, this was not standard. This became the standard for abductions. Yes, yes. Now, when I say, like, standard and stuff like that, like, this is one of the earliest ones. Like, Betty and Barney Hill was, what, five years before this? Yes. This was a... the Betty and Barney Hill was the other big one. It was really the first massive abduction tale, where this is... This was a follow-up. And, of course, the needle up the nose was also used to lobotomize all housewives who wanted to leave their husbands in the 1950s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how you—well, we'll think about how medicine used to be. It was just yeah. giving women orgasms with machines. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Needle, 
<laughs> there's a lot of like medicine is a history of just like with any luck this will work. <laughs> nah, nah, never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, one interesting thing uh, about the Andreessen affair about the book is that this book was a New York Times bestseller cool. in 1977 or 70 or was it 79? I don't I, know. I Let think me... it was. I think it was 79. But either way, late 70s. Okay. Uh, this was a New York Times bestseller, so it's a very Influential book, extremely influential. Sure, 1978. Uh, 1970. God damn it. Okay, so 1978. Uh, but this book, you know, when we say standard, like Henry's very correct in saying that this ship became standard because before this, the needle up the nose and you know the alien, you know the gray like kind of mm-hmm. appearance was not common. It wasn't common knowledge. And were there TV shows or movies that showed him in that way? Not really. I mean, okay. the outer. They the big thing about the Betty and Barney Hills. They say that there was an outer limit episode mm. on like a week before uh, right. the abduction that you know had weird looking aliens on it but as far as like the greys go the pear shaped head the slits and all that that was not common no okay. that was not common that got incorporated to pop culture later on like this was a uh, at the time because you remember a lot of the old aliens were viewed as they, they'd have big noses there was that type of alien and then there was just the straight up like old school old school shit where it was a man in a weird costume that looked just like a dude who said he was like from venus and always asking what time is it I think yeah. you just described humphrey bogart <laughs> yes well betty told investigators while she was under hypnosis that when the needle entered her left nostril she heard something like a membrane break Ooh, that's not good yeah and the sensation w- was both of pushing and penetration just Ugh. like Oh, oh, so much penetration. <laughs> oh, Henry Thomas, I hate it when they do the penetration. Yeah, I don't think that's good. Now, the, another interesting thing about the hypnotism sessions is the two modes that the investigators used in speaking with Betty. In one, Betty was asked to speak as if she was observing, like examining the memory. Mm. But in the other mode, she was experiencing the event all over again. So, for example, in the first, Betty would dreamily say, I heard something break like a membrane or a veil or something, pretty calmly. Uh-huh. But in the second, she would say, quote, Oh, oh, wow, oh, 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 why do you have to put that up my nose? Oh, 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 oh Henry Thomas. <laughs> and besides the Henry Thomas, that's a direct quote <laughs> from the transcripts. Wow. And since these sessions would sometimes have to end in the middle of a particularly juicy part of the story because Betty would get so worked up, the investigators would get a little antsy to hear the continuation in the next session. Yeah, so mm. they jump right into the most intense part each time, being like, okay, so the thing's going up your nose. And she's like, whoa! <laughs> At the very top of yeah. it. And this is a direct quote from Raymond Fowler writing in The Andreessen Affair about the next hypnosis session to come after having a stop at the needle in the nose. Our Saturday hypnosis sessions had by now become quite routine. That day, however, we were so eager to get started that the customary rendezvous at a local pancake house and the drive to Harold's offices seemed like hurdles in a race. Wait, hold on a second. You gotta get carved up. Okay, so they were like, we're gonna go talk about your abduction, but before we do that, there's a double stack over here at IHOP. You have to do it. You gotta do. Okay, interesting. What are you gonna do? You're gonna make it through all the state. Those are the kind of sugars your body needs to break down for the long-haul questioning of a woman (laughs) that is writhing around in a table under your complete control. Okay. 
Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some Texas Pete sriracha sauce. And I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of cha. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST. 24 for 20% off at texaspeat.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash last pod. Hi, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. 
and fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So when the hypnotism session began anew, they'd been sitting in anticipation of what would come next. What with the needle up the nose and all. Sure. And Betty did not disappoint. Okay. She said that when they finally removed the needle, the aliens, there was a little ball attached to the end. And this is interesting because the ball wasn't present when the needle went in. Yeah. This, of course, suggests... This may not have been Betty's first rodeo. Really? I remember my first rodeo. It was so dirty. <laughs> I hated going there. Yeah. I mean, the clowns, they're not funny. They, no, they're and not. they're always putting themselves in danger. Yeah. I'm just like, get out of there, clown. Right. I, t- I totally agree. And then Bozo was just like, this is all the work I can do now. <laughs> it's very sad. Kids love me. Worship me. So now, how big are we talking? Are we talking Schwarzenegger in Total Recall no, when no, he no, dives no. it up no, there no, and, no, 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 and no. pulls it out? The way they describe it is a solid piece of fiber optic material. Uh-huh. A very, very thin needle goes up, and then what came out was this little nubbin mm-hmm. that seemed to have been up in her nose. Okay. And they just said, and they literally said, like, found it. Yeah. Huh. So after the needle in the nose came out, the needle into the belly button went in. Uh oh. Betty said that the nose needle, that just felt, quote unquote, funny. But the one into the belly button hurt like hell. Oh, yeah. Because when they inserted the needle, they just started wiggling, wiggling it around inside. And so she starts squirming around, but then the aliens, they rub their hands all over her, and then she stops hurting anymore. Okay. Like masseuses. Yeah. Good, good. Now let's hear another quote from the experiencing side while the needle thing was happening. Oh. Oh. He's pushing that again around, feeling things. Oh. I don't like this. Feels like he's going right around my stuff inside, feeling it. Something with that needle. He's coming over, and oh, and he looks, he looks different. He's starting to take the thing out. Oh, 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 oh. Are you having one? (laughs) Oh, I'm having mm, many. (laughs) Oh, my. So, you know, as Henry said, Quaz got started waving his hands over, taking away the pain. And I know that sounds a lot like New Age bullshit, but this is actually a phenomenon that happens a lot in abduction scenarios. It does, okay. pretty much in each one. And in fact, there are over a dozen times in Betty's story when her story matches up with the stories of other CE4s. Okay. Thank you for abbreviating it. I actually really appreciate it because it's important to feel like we're doing science. <laughs> Close Encounters 4. That's what it means. Now, we don't really have time to go point by point on all of the similarities, but if you're interested, all of it's laid out in the injuries and affair. And go read it. It's thick. Yeah. You may fall asleep <laughs> driving while reading it. Well, you shouldn't be well, reading and driving like reading. I do, but you, I'm an expert. Don't read and drive. Get a book on tape or something. No, no. I hate listening to voices. It makes me fall to sleep. Mm-hmm. 
Now, to be totally transparent, Betty herself freely admitted, as far back as her first letter to J. Allen Hynek, that she did read a couple of books and articles on UFOs after her experience. Okay. And that could contribute to a phenomenon known as cryptomnesia, which is when the subconscious mind stores information that comes back out as something that we perceive to be com- a completely original thought or memory. Sure. Like how Robin Williams did his entire comedy career by sort of, sort of accidentally <laughs> remembering a bunch of other people's material. Yes. And I don't mean to, dev- to say anything bad against Robin Williams' R.I.P., but, you know, he that was very was, creative. That was a criticism, yeah. But according to Fowler, some of the more subtle details in her story match up with unpublished at the time UFO accounts. But, infuriatingly, he kept those details confidential so as to not compromise other investigations. Uh, well, no, of course, that falls under weird patient, weird doctor privilege. Yes, so yes. that's actually a law. Yes. But it's it's true. You know, again, we don't know. Yeah. She did maybe incorporate some things. We don't know. We don't know. We yeah. have no clue what happened. So after the needle was removed from Betty's stomach and the results were checked, the aliens got to talking with each other across the room. Hmm. And when they came back, they told Betty that some of her parts were missing. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. She had some crucial lady parts gone. Yeah. She really? knew immediately what they meant because three years before, she'd had a hysterectomy after lucky number seven. Okay. Obviously, they've been checking her for fertility. Oh. Or, as they put it, Procreation. Yeah, making suck suck. They went in, they, well, apparently, you know, again, what we're going to find out, as it always is, what's the point of abduction? We People ask this all the time. And it seems to be the common, the common source and the uh, output of abduction is supposed to be the hybrid program. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, you know, they continued anyway, and for the big finale, they lowered what Betty called a big eye thing that looked her up and down for a bit, then raised back up. After that, she was levitated across the room to the aliens and stood with them. Every time she gets levitated, imagine she's just like, oh, 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 oh this is fun. I haven't had this much fun. I almost went in a hot air balloon ride, uh-huh. but my husband died. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> they then left the room altogether, and Betty changed back into her regular clothes. Mm. Now, this is where not all, but a lot of abduction scenarios end. Yeah. Normally, they get picked up, they get fucking scooped, they get poked, and then they get they catch and release. Yeah, right. yeah. It's like, uh, Travis, remember Travis Walton with Fire in the Sky? Sure. His whole abduction experience was just experimentation. Now, it's and it's done basically here. Yeah, yeah. It's no, done. this is not. No, no, not now. Not this story. No. no. Yes. No. But no. the Andresen abduction is one of the few in which the abductee was taken into... It kind of sounds like an hallucinatory world. Like, it's just mind-boggling what this woman saw. And Betty, I mean, she barely had the words to describe it, but she tried her best. It's like when you're fighting Scorpion in the new Spider-Man video game, and yeah. he makes you hallucinate. <laughs> sure. It's an incredible game. I it hate, is so good. Wow, I you're pretty far into it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I hate things about boys. I don't like that Spider-Man. He's, he's older. He's older. We talked about this on Side Stories. Yeah, he's yeah. older than this. Yeah, he's, like, he's in his mid-20s or so. Yeah. That's fine, then. Yes, it's fine. Uh, And really, the thing is about this, even though Betty's experience is much weirder and more abstract than, say, the supposed abduction of Albert Bender from our Men in Black episodes, for some reason, I actually find the more abstract experiences more believable. Hmm. Between Shockville and Terrence McKenna, they have a a series of thought. And and Carl Jung actually wrote a book on UFOs that I'm going to be getting into soon. And they talk about this is a... There's a folklore aspect to the alien uh, experience. 
They're part of what she will now experience is something to me, in my mind, is a series of riddles that she's supposed to figure out. Terrence McKenna has a quote about UFOs that I find that are very interesting. UFOs are a subconscious obstacle to science. It is a purposely created phenomena by our subconscious to turn us away from the rational towards the intuitive, hmm. which essentially means experiences like Betty's are supposed to be indicative and then go uh, of this concept of like we want everything to be concrete facts we yeah. want everything to be like touchable like, i can touch it with my hands it's right here it's provable it's right here kissel's got big throbbing weird veins all over his yep, legs that's, right that's provable yeah <laughs> i can feel them i squish them in there each yeah. one's a, a different bullet towards your death yep yep, yep right but yep. i know that they and so i know this is real but i know that somewhere that, that's that, that there's supposed to be another experience outside of this yeah. with ufos in the alien scenario and the abduction scenario specifically are supposed to be a a thing that's supposed to jog us out and remember Things are not always so fucking cut and dry. Mm -hmm. Interesting you mentioned that. Um, my right leg, that's the one with blood clots, and I envision it, I, I envision it in my mind as a shotgun. <laughs> and it's, it's leaning upwards. Cool. Yeah, isn't that sad? So let's get it yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, that's doctor. That's what the doctor said. So. so let's get into it. After getting dressed, Betty was taken to a room with four clear glass or plastic chairs. She couldn't quite tell which one. Okay. She sat down. A transparent enclosure enveloped her body, and the aliens told her she was about to be immersed in liquid. You know that these guys were like, they got the Bible, and they're like, this fucking bitch, she's fucking good. She gave us all the shit. She'd be like, we're getting her the fucking goo chair, dude. <laughs> oh, my god. She's goodness. getting the goo chair, bro. I mean, there's a big difference if they're plastic or, or uh, a really nice glass chair. That's yeah. Like a, are they Walmart aliens or are they like really high like Macy's aliens. aliens? Yeah, I want yeah. a Macy's alien. <laughs> they keep ushering her into these other rooms and the UFOs looking. It wasn't that big from the outside. They're putting her in this other place. It was this area. It had a circular table and two. What it's what I would say. It looked like movie theater seat rows mm -hmm. that are very interesting shaped for humans mm -hmm. like this is not like he brought it up interesting in the books like they're not it's not for them it is for people she sat down in it and then this cover that was glass hinged and s fitted on top of her body then sucked into it was like completely up against her skin and started filling with goo yeah so they're so she's there in a wooden chair in a uh, in a plastic chair and they're like okay come in aliens and all the aliens are like doot, doot, doot. and then they look at the chair and they're like uh, oh god and then you try to climb it like a mountain and then they can finally and then maybe the aliens are like could we get alien chairs <laughs> I mean, with why do we have the human chairs well this is maybe maybe they have specific ships mm -hmm. maybe they have maybe in their world there are places there are for aliens and this is a place that's for humans okay mm -hmm. so after the enclosure came down tubes connected into her mouth and nose so she can breathe Ooh. as the fluid came from above it was like a grayish stuff Ooh. it started to trickle at first and then eventually it became a torrent. My mom all covered in goo. <laughs> <laughs> and the entire chair then began to vibrate. Oh, and then her oh, body uh. sat in perfect resonance with the fluid. Oh, cool. Mm. Mm. Then a thick syrup started flowing through her mouth tube. Uh-oh. And this was Betty's reaction. Oh, God. It's about a spoonful or so, and they're giving me through the tube, and oh, it tastes sweet. Oh, it tastes good. Oh, Maybe she was just remembering eating at the pancake house <laughs> right this, before. But then it gets relaxing. Oh, I see. So it's all filling with her mouth. Oh, 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 uh, this feels good. Oh, so relaxing. Oh, and it tastes, it tasted good. It was so sweet and thick, sort of like a cough syrup. 
I'll stay in the chair. (laughs) That doesn't sound that bad. It was theorized that the purpose behind this action was to protect Betty against the rigors of either space or interdimensional travel. Who knows? Or it was just to cover some lady in goo. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) And that if she hadn't been protected, she might have died, which I'd imagine was something that the aliens learned through trial and error. Yeah, when they just got smashed up against the side of the fucking UFO. Just just fucking turned inside out. (laughs) Another oopsie. What will we tell the president now that we've taken his daughter? (laughs) So they're like, again, with any luck... Uh, Aunt Jemima should work. Yeah. And then they just filled her with syrup. But maybe that's the reason why they normally don't, they don't take like, because I think a lot of people are like, um, the alien abduction's real, and you really want to send messages to America, wouldn't they take like, the president? But you know what it is? You can't take somebody so high profile if you're going to just accidentally fucking kill them by accident <laughs> right. by not filling the tubes, right? You yeah. got to take people that could maybe go missing. I don't want to be like, you know, I don't want to dig into your accent there. But I think that voice that you just did is the person telling you that aliens are real. No, I, I would be like, well, if they were real, wouldn't they just take the president? No, I hear it as a, yeah, if wouldn't it maybe think maybe you could believe in aliens. But also, why don't I just go ahead and believe in God? God, then. Uh, and it's yeah. like, excuse, <laughs> excuse me, but I, uh, it's my time of day when I have to go trade a couple of Bitcoin shares. So just, uh, you can just Ooh. wait for a second, and then I'll come back and then we'll talk about it. I know you cashed out of your Bitcoin. If you haven't yet, uh, it's going down. I'll tell you what, though, when I'm talking about aliens, it's like, hey, <laughs> thank you for joining me. You want a, an espresso? You want some wine? Very good. Let me tell you all about my pandemic theory of <laughs> culture. <laughs> I'll take some whiskey instead. (laughs) So after what Betty perceived to be a relatively short period of time, the fluid drained, the enclosure opened, and Betty opened her eyes to see that the figures who had abducted her were now wearing black hoods. Very strange, very intense. And also, it was weird for her to be like, and my clothes are so wet, and I'm sitting in that cold <gasps> area. And they go, and I was like, will I dry? And they're like, oh, you will dry eventually. And she's just like, oh, but my boobies. <laughs> <laughs> they have all this technology, and they don't have a dryer? <laughs> well, eventually, it, she does get mi- miraculously dry. Yeah. Okay, because they're yeah, air drying out of all of this stuff, like... <laughs> Just go to go to a freaking Sears. I just get don't want to see my mom all wet. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, wet with goo. Ugh. So she's all sticky and yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, nasty. Mm. Well, again, they asked her to follow. And they traveled by floating above a small black track that was only about four feet wide through a tunnel that looked as if it had been chipped out of stone, passing mm. openings for intersecting tunnels along the path. Suddenly, the track slanted upward, and Betty saw a shiny, mirror-like obstruction ahead, which actually sounded, to me, a lot like the magic mirror substance in The Invisibles, which represents both God trapped in his own creation and an entrance into other dimensions. Fuck yeah, dude. (laughs) I will say the graphic novel The Invisibles must have been pretty easy to illustrate. (laughs) Because, you know, they're invisible. You never do the reading. (laughs) And it's a comic book. No, I know. I know what it is. No, actually. I I I don't even know who who made it. Who? Enos. No, no, Garth Gar- Ennis. No, that no. was he did Preacher. I love Preacher. <laughs> I love Preacher, which is great. Fucking uh, love. No, I do know. Who, I do know who did the Invisibles. Who did it? It is bald man, Scottish, uh, wears wizard. sunglasses a lot. Yeah. Oh, Bono. <laughs> it was Bono. It's, I'm pretty sure. Honestly, 
Close. No. No. <laughs> yeah, no. don't do that. No. Oh. No. Do you want me to compare Jacques Vallée to, oh, I don't know, Gerard Depardieu? I literally will toss this table over. <laughs> uh, exactly. It was Grant Morrison. That's correct. <laughs> well, soon they passed through the magic mirror substance, and Betty was met with a world defined by an all-encompassing, vibrating red light. Mm. Everything, as far as the eyes could see, from the sky to the ground was red. This is when she saw her first structures. At first, they looked like nothing more than nondescript square buildings. But as she got closer, she saw that some of the buildings were occupied, at least on the outside. This is what she said. There was land, and there were buildings. But there were no vegetable life, just land and buildings. And now we are passing, oh boy, we're coming to where there's some beings. Direct quote. And these beings are, they got two eyeballs. And they got loads of them. Oh, they're scary. And they have skinny arms and legs and kind of a full body. And, they, and their eyes can move every which way. And they can just climb just like monkeys. And they can climb up quickly and swiftly down and around and in and out of windows. They're all over the place. And then she saw a sign that said, Welcome to Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> she saw space lemurs. Yeah, space cool. lemurs. <laughs> yeah. Betty said the beings had two huge eyes that bibbled and bobbled on stalks where their head should have been, and the two eyes moved independently of each other. Yeah, it's cute. Ooh. Yeah. But she said yeah. she was also very scared of them. Yeah, she was terrified of them because they're terror. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're like space a- lemurs with gigantic eyes with no head. Yeah, you're a, mo- you're a woman who's never seen any of this shit. Yeah. Probably is very scared by even just the idea of UFOs on the fucking television screen. All of a sudden, you've just been slicked with goo. Right. You're on a conveyor belt. You're taken to a place where the aliens are scared of the red light. They're wearing now, already creepy, but now they're wearing black hoods, making you follow them through this area where they're space lemurs, and you are just trying not to, like, start punching people. Right. <laughs> I will say the space lemurs sound like they would be great characters in that wonderful animated series. Ah! Real, Real monsters. monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was it? Crumb? Yeah. The one he, he, he held his, eye his eyes. Had yeah. his eyes. Pain in the ass. Yeah, it is, man. You <laughs> drop them, you're blind, you can't see what you're ordering on the seamless. <laughs> well, she said when they went by the space lemurs, they stared at them, but they, otherwise they didn't really react. They then came to another reflective silver portal, and when they passed through that one, they were met with a green world. She said, quote, It's beautiful here. Oh, it's so beautiful here. Have you ever been to the French resort in Disney? I've never been to Disney. It is just scrumptious. spare Spare no attention to detail. Really? And we're still along the thing. And now that we are in the green atmosphere, they're taking off those black hoods. And I was like, oh, that must have been so hot. And going along, and it seems like mist or sea or something off to the side there. Beautiful. And we're like on a narrow, narrow passage of land, and we're gliding across it, and off to the side, Henry Thomas, I see, I don't know if they're fish or what. It looks like a combination of a fish and a bird. (laughs) And it seems like it's a haze all over and fog, and yet it's so light, I can see it. And we were going someplace. Okay, so she's seen a bunch of furbs. So <laughs> she's seen a, good. This is a like if bird. you drop my mom into a J.G. Ballard scenario, where it's just like <laughs> so otherworldly. Like, this is just a, it's not just normal weird. Yeah. It's like extra weird. So, yeah, it's weird. I can't imagine my mom, who just discovered Lemon Drops, the cocktail, <laughs> oh, all really? of a sudden you're dropping her off <laughs> oh, in this fucking God. place. And I'm like, she's got to always be like, oh, that's... 
Oh, you know yeah. Henry Thomas in UFOs? They have red and green worlds. So you're like, I know, Mom. You've told me five times. Wow. <laughs> and that's about the time they flew over a pyramid. Fuck oh. yeah! The one Betty saw had a head on top, but even though she said it looked vaguely Egyptian, it wasn't familiar. Hmm. This is how she described it. It was just a regular head. It wasn't fat like the Sphinx. The Sphinx had a big fat face. This had eleven cheeks, but it looked sort of feminine, yet male. It sounds like my mom trying to describe everyone in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she saw other structures as well. She saw a big, a large city in the distance with buildings and bridges and all that, but she couldn't make out anything else. Hmm. Everything was just green until she came to the crystals. And I, I know crystals, that's a word that people, including me, usually tap out on crystals. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's wrong with crystals? Crystals are a pain in the ass. <laughs> what do you mean they're a pain in the ass? It's a crystal. It's crystal. I mean, it's a. If you know, we didn't get to go to what? Was, what is it? Sonoma, Arizona. Sedona. Sedona, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. It's an entire economy based on crystals. Sonoma's a car. Yeah, Sonoma is a car, and it's also there, in California. There yes. was a. There's a player. If you watch Hard Knocks, Cleveland Browns. They are. They won against the Jets. They're one, one, and one. They got all the brackets built. Okay. Fun. Anyway, um, <laughs> I am. He got, he this is how team. I feel. You must feel about the alien stuff. They beat the Jets, but he he made the team, and he was a big believer in crystals, and yeah. he said that they really helped him. Yeah. I do believe. Again, whatever you believe in, that's the chaos magic of it. If it works for you, great. Good work. Whatever keys you into the subconscious enough, whatever puts you in a trance state, great. But crystals, for the large part, are you can get them at Michael's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And people, they they tend to, um, it's a very big, like, scammy type of thing. It can be. It can be. But it's all about, again, the genuineness of the entire situation. So if you really do, I don't want to malign crystal owners because I have crystals in my own home. Yeah, we all got crystals in our home. Yeah, it's fun to look at the sun through them. Yeah. Yeah. Prisms. 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 Yeah. (laughs) But. What came next is actually very interesting in a psychedelic sense. Betty said when she came to that point, a blazing light appeared, and slowly from that light, a gigantic bird materialized. And as she approached the bird, Betty got hot, painfully hot, as if she were entering an oven on full blast. The bird, she said, looked like an eagle with a white head and tiny gold specks floating around her. And they're all like, fucking check out our fucking bird, damn. <laughs> yeah, fucking cool check bird. it out, you got covered in goo, bitch. Have you seen a fucking bird? You fucking, you're getting the full treatment, girl. And suddenly, a white life engulfed the bird brighter than before, and when the light abated, nothing was left but a small fire and a pile of gray ashes. <laughs> I wish you could get an echo effect where it's like a multiple, (laughs) multiple cause. And she finally found the food they love. Actually, Henry, if you want to do that one more time, uh, I can do that. All right, do it. And our listeners would have really enjoyed what I just did. Great, 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 good, good, good. (laughs) From the ashes rose a big, fat, Gray worm. Whoa. <laughs> it's cool. Can yeah. you not call me fat? I know I have a bit of a worm weight problem. <laughs> Actually, it's thick. T-H-R-C-C. <laughs> and I celebrate that because guess what? I can eat what I want. I can live how I want. And that's how it is because it's my world. You're just living in it. <laughs> I agree. At that moment, a booming disembodied voice started speaking to Betty. The voice whom Betty came to call the one Ooh. told her that he had chosen her to show the world. She asked if he was the Lord God 
To which he cryptically replied, I shall show you as time goes by. If God is a huge worm, I am going to be real, no, man. No, 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 no. The wor- God was not the worm. God is not the worm. You I'll don't explain know, man. The- I'll explain the worm in a bit. Okay. You don't know, man. You've never read book four of Dune, man. <laughs> right, that's true. Now, Bre- Betty proclaimed her faith through all manner of praise gods and praise Jesuses, but the being, the one didn't really say anything overtly religious. He judoed it. Yeah. She sat there and he, so they were saying in the, in the hip, in the regressions, in this, she starts, tears are streaming down her face and she's going, praise Jesus, praise Jesus Christ and all, like she's going nuts. Yeah. Right. And what they're saying is that what it seems to be is the aliens kind of were like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I see. And they the, just rolled with it. Yeah. And the whole thing could easily be interpreted as Christian by someone who wants the experience to be religious. Sure. Which is part of what makes this case so fascinating. Because she was genuine. This is not a bit. Like, yeah. she believed she was talking to angels, messengers, and that's a part of why this, in the end, will change her whole life. Yeah. yeah. And she never ex- uses her experience as, you know, proof of God's existence because for Betty, the existence of God, it's not a matter, there's no question about it. It's right. a matter of fact. And she doesn't need to prove it to any of us because, one, she's not a dick about her faith. And two, questions of existence just don't enter her mind. Mm-hmm. That must be nice. Mm-hmm. That must be really nice of to be so sure of something. Just just for of one thing in your life. I'm, I'm not even sure, like, sure what my hair color is. Honestly, I couldn't tell. I couldn't right tell now. you. You know, we, there's a lot of discrepancy about my height. <laughs> there is not a lot of discrepancy. <laughs> the only discrepancy is between you and your IMDb page. You're 5'5". Five five. Guess what, man? Perception is reality. <laughs> Uh, whatever Betty Andresen had, whether it was quote-unquote real or completely psychedelic in nature, it got filtered through the lens of Christianity so easily that really, I mean, you wonder if this whole thing was custom-made. Hmm. I mean, the most telling is this line right here. I can release you, but you must release yourself of that fear through my son. That's oh. the whole thing. My son. Interesting. So that just, you know, plugs right into the Jesus talk. But dude mm-hmm. knew what to do. Yeah. Like, because again, I think it's about, it's taking something, obviously the shit is in in some way, shape, or form is happening in her mind. Yes. So whatever is happening, he is pulling the stuff that is most dear to her. And I think a part of it is that because of her genuous, genuineness to believe, which is the reason why right. she got led on this, if this is real, again... At this point, we're just positing that this shit happens, right? Yeah. Because this is what this is where we're at in the episode. But it's like Travis Walton, the whole time he's going, nah, nah, nah. every other person, Betty Hill, Barney Hill, nah, nah. they're fighting them at all times. And so, yeah, they drop them off. She was just like, oh, this is beautiful. Right. And they're like, we'll give her the whole fucking tour. Let's give her, you, give her, you do Absolutely. all this shit. And we're going to treat her so well, we're going to play a little hit from the great musician Carmen. <laughs> and we're also going to play a little DC Talk when we try to get a little crazy. What's Carmen? That's a Christian singer yeah, who is yeah. very popular and DC Talk is a Christian. Yeah, rapper. yeah. So, why don't we just, uh, let's just mention Jars of Clay and complete the Jars trifecta. of Clay went mainstream. <laughs> and and <laughs> my church growing up, they were quite upset with Jars of Clay and Amy Grant. Yeah. <laughs> That song, Baby, Baby, wasn't about an actual baby. It was about a boyfriend. Now, you might say that the Betty's interpreting all this through the lens of Christianity because that's what her subconscious mind is feeding her when she's under hypnosis, which is a fair assumption. However, what's most interesting here is the bird. Yeah. 
Now, for those of you who know your mythological animals, that was obviously a phoenix, i.e. a bird that dies in flames and is reborn from the ashes. Even the gray worm is a part of the phoenix mythology going back millennia. Okay. Isn't that interesting? It is. It's like the, it, it, I didn't know that until I read about that, but the phoenixes are, uh, they turn into a little baby worm. Yeah. Huh. But what you may not know, and what I didn't know, and it's almost certain that Betty didn't know, was that the phoenix was actually quite prominent in early Christian art and literature as a symbol of immortality and resurrection. In fact, the phoenix was sometimes interchangeable with Jesus Christ in the early days when Christians were just kind of making shit up as they went along to see what stuck. You got to. That's, yeah. how, that's how a brand starts. Yeah. Yeah, you just make shit up until finally people glom on to something. You're like, whew, all right. Yeah, it's I mean, called putting you, out a show a week for seven years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you want the Ascension to look like Chris Angel pulling off a stunt, or do you want it to look like a phoenix the, running towards the sun? Yeah, exactly. I mean, hell, and they were still making shit. I mean, it took them, what, 1,700 years to really nail down the devil? Right. Like, yeah, man, and now, and they still haven't nailed down the devil. Yeah. All right, because the devil, because then Anton LaVey came and redid the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Well, furthermore... Betty's bird gave off the scent of frankincense and myrrh when it exploded. And that little tidbit about the phoenix was actually around long before the Magi supposedly brought those spices to the birth of Jesus. Right. Again, this could be cryptomnesia. But you got to remember... Betty told her story in 1977. I was able to gain all of that knowledge after about 10 minutes of Googling. The entire the history of the world is at our fingertips now. Right. Betty's not going to run across this shit on Wikipedia. No, you'd have to go look for this yeah. shit. You'd have to know this. You'd have to be a um, um, you'd have to be a semi scholar on ancient Christian behavior. Right. Yeah. And she's raising seven kids. Probably yeah. doesn't have all the time in the world to do the research that uh, that you specifically. You mark us fortunate. Have 40 hours a week to do research, yeah. and you almost need it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is archaic scholar knowledge. Hmm. Betty was a fundamentalist Christian. And while, yeah, she did spend a lot of time in church, she wasn't really surrounded by, you know, fucking theologians discussing the early lesser known symbols of Christianity. She should have been. But you know what? <laughs> uh, but a part I mean, of it is the Jungian interpretation of all this. Yes. Is that in some Which way... Which is what she, I'm more all about. I think it's very interesting. There is an archetypical... There's a, there's something in, fucking in her brain. They just pulled it out. Yeah. And they right. just... so Because that's like when you go and you trip balls and you see the fucking Aztec line and you see all that weird imagery and we all see the same shit that's a part of what she is some in some way shape or form plugged into something right. like a uh the public unconscious what is it the collective uh, unconscious yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. i mean this sort of thing like it's it doesn't prove anything because by right. its very nature all of this is unprovable it's what's but, about to and, about and, everything. she did go to a catholic well, no a very christian church in boston so you know every, not boston northern massachusetts in northern massachusetts so every single ceremony every single church service ended with and now neil we will pray for the Boston Celtics, <laughs> and then they would pray to beat the Knicks, who were yeah. actually good in the 70s, and it was difficult for them to pull it off. Yeah, but the connection and the possibility that this is all like still bumping around the mm-hmm. collective unconsciousness like thousands of years later, like it's definitely interesting, but at the very least, it's just fun to fucking think about. It's sure. nice to think about something that's <laughs> nice. It's nice to think about something besides just fucking murder yeah, and the horrible s- problems of the world. This- it's nice to think about other things. This is the most surreal. 
green abduction story we've ever covered. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, it, yeah. It's kind of, it is a nice little it, break. It is, yeah. yeah, it's nice, especially after, you know, the fucking Donner party that we just went to, right. went through, and some of the shit that we got coming up in the future, which is going to be, I mean, Halloween's going to be a month of uh, just, ugh. guys, we're going fucking real dark for Halloween. <laughs> I'm very excited. All right. Yeah. And so after the experience with the bird and the one, Betty was taken back through the path from whence she came back to the starship and was once again placed in the transport chair. Which is really interesting because when she came back, she really did go through. She hit all the same points again, which is like a weird. She somehow kept the structure going yeah. of the ship in her mind. So yeah. they were like, put this strap on. She's like, I know how to do it. I've been here <laughs> pretty much. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But this time, the feel good syrup seemed to have a little more kick than the first time. This is what she said about it. Oh, that feels good. That feels real good. They're putting all that stuff all in it. It's getting, oh, I'm breathing through the tube. It feels good. And they're putting that, oh, it's like a whirlpool on. Oh, this is so good. This is so nice. You've ever had, oh, you know what they do? The toys, baked potatoes at Applebee's. It's so (laughs) stacking it. I'm being bad when I have it, but it's no nice to have it so good. Yeah. It feels good and smooth. It's sweet. Like a syrup, but it doesn't make me feel sick because usually syrups they make me feel sick if I have too thick a syrup on a pancake or something. That last line was a direct quote. <laughs> really? <laughs> that last, yeah, yeah, yeah. Syrups usually make her feel sick, like yeah. too thick a syrup on pancakes. Of course, maybe they did, maybe they switched it up to a boysenberry or a raspberry <laughs> syrup, something like that. Maybe even a marmalade. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, but- <laughs> let's pee in it, dude. <laughs> the way let's fucking piss in it, dude. Don't the way you the way you said maybe even a marmalade is just like so full of like whimsy. Maybe it was even. A Maybe it was. <laughs> Have you been watching Great British Bake Off? No. Oh, that show is great. It, they're too nice to each other, but that's fine. Well, finally, Betty was on her way back home to Massachusetts. But before she left the ship, she had to say goodbye to Quasgar. He reached up and put his hand put his hands on her shoulders. Which is difficult. It's like when me and me and Natalie's first dance at our wedding. <laughs> he looked her in the eyes and he said, quote, Child, you must forget for a while. Then Two feeler-type things came out of his head above his eyes, kind of like a bee. And he looked like a bee, but like he wasn't. But admittedly, like, this is when the story goes from, like, interesting psychedelic experience to tedious dream explaining, which nobody likes. It goes even more so than when we've done. (laughs) I see. Yeah, we're giving you the cliff notes on this part. So we're in, like, the first half of the book, It, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But Quasga, after turning into the bee thing, told her he was going to, quote, give her formulas, and that love is the answer, and we're all going to destroy each other if we don't change our ways, and they have wonderful things to show us, if we do change our ways, etc., etc. It's the same shit most aliens tell us. They're not going to do anything. I have a full-on... I believe they are interdimensional creatures, that they are using us for a hybrid program, maybe, but a part of it is like... They're just saying this shit because they always say this shit. It's in the script. No, yeah. they, they come in, they're like, and don't worry, yeah, all of this was for a, a purpose. Yeah. yeah, and we're definitely, we're going to save humankind, where they're just getting them sweet, sweet eggs. Yeah, so and that's is- the, I think they're just trying to, like, make sure we don't all kill each other, because if we kill each other, that egg farm is closed for business. Oh, yeah, dude, no. gotta get them eggs, gotta get them cums. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, when Quasga's face changed back, the door opened and Betty was led back into her house by three aliens. Now, it was impossible to tell if these were the same three that grabbed her, but this time, one of them told her his name. He was called 
Jewhop. Hey, what's going on, Jewhop? Nice to meet you, buddy. <laughs> cool, man. So when Jewhop and the others took her inside, Betty found that her family was still in a state of suspended am- animation. Really? They briefly let her father, Wayno, move for reasons unknown, but everyone else was still frozen. And it's the same fucked up yeah. shit. They wake him up, and the guy goes like, Oh! Oh! And then they put him back to sleep. He's like, do you want us to do this to the family? Hey, uh, hey aliens, could I just move a little bit? My underwear, it's just right up in there. And I just... Oh! Thank you. So Jewhop took Betty upstairs and tucked her in, telling her that she must forget everything she was told until the time appointed. Oh! And when Betty awoke the next morning, she said she felt great, and she cooked the whole family a big pancake breakfast. See, that's nice. <laughs> See, that's what moms do. Moms, because being a mother's a job 24-7. Yeah. It is. But you know what it is? Is that like she said she woke up and heard the whole sound of the house being all like, like everybody's like playing and laughing and having a nice time. And no one really wants to talk about, like, like no one knows what happens except for the father. Yeah. And like, she was like, do you remember like a thing coming in the house last night? And he's like, nope. <laughs> no can do. Nope. nope. Absolutely not. Yeah. That's, and this is a couple days before Christmas. Uh, no, the this was uh, January 20th. The, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, the car accident happened a couple days before uh, Christmas. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. But that's not quite the end of the story. It doesn't end with pancakes, huh? Nope. No, it, we, you, we wish. We wish. Yeah. A part of the story comes from the hypnotism sessions themselves. Now, after the investigators had gone through the nuts and bolts of the story, they figured they'd go a little deeper to see if they could glean some knowledge about the aliens themselves. Deeper. Deeper and and deeper. (laughs) Deeper. Scary. When they asked if Juhop or Quasga had given her any predictions for the future, she said yes. But Fowler wrote that after she responded in the affirmative, something or someone appeared to take control of her speech. Then it seemed as if either the aliens or Betty's inborn fundamentalist faith truly took over because Betty started speaking a strange language, which could also just be the whole speaking in tongues thing. I don't know if she was from a speaking in tongues church. I don't oh, think she course. was. Oh, of course. She's evangelical. Oh, no, she she's is. not an evangelical. She's fundamentalist, she's, which is different. Probably it's, is. Fundamentalist doesn't necessarily mean speaking in tongues. She loses it, whatever it is, yep. because she's in the thing. She appears to have her body taken over, because every single time they're trying to get the, like when they were trying to ask her, like, what did the book say? Because she still had the book for a number of days. They were going to allow her to look through the book. Okay. And so she had had this book and as she was trying to go through it her whole body she's like oh the, t- the, the, the pins and needles are coming oh my hands feel so heavy my hands and legs feel heavy huh. yeah. and this actually this is Fowler's direct phonetic interpretation of what Betty said oh I don't know how they wrote all this down they figured all the letters in it now Man. Woo. Base 32. Base 32. Signal base 32. Yeah. Base 32. Base 32. Signal base 32. I mean, it does have the, it does have the, uh, what is it? The speaking in tongues feature of always putting ah. At yeah. the end of it, you guys all did it better than I did. In uh, in um, you couldn't do it, right? I couldn't do it. I'm not going to improv. I don't. Uh, it was not. I hate nonsense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my whole life. And with Betty, like that's what. After that came more weird nonsense. Words like curvature and sombleado and star ciso just start tumbling out of Betty's mouth. Kind of. But I mean, 
if you think about it, you know, from the collective unconsciousness perspective, she, she kind of seemed to be just bobbing in and out of different consciousnesses. Yeah, she was okay. being fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Here's right. another one. Circle the plane. P-L-A-I-N. Oh, count three and four. Count three and four. Counting three and four is very important. Counting three and four and a one, two, three. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I got a five through eight. That's four after four. <laughs> Ma'am, are you going to order pancakes? Why am I standing here? (laughs) Well, after that, the supposed aliens talked for a bit, but all that came was a bunch of vague alien bullshit doublespeak that always comes under these circumstances. Mm. But there were some interesting nuggets. What I think is most interesting is when the investigators asked where the aliens had actually taken Betty. They said it was not a planet, but a place. Mm. And furthermore, Betty was supposedly only gone for a night. These two things imply interdimensional travel rather than interplanetary which i know is something that henry is quite interested in i'm quite interested in as well well again sure. about the essential nature of the psychedelic experience of the alien abduction if all of the to me this is just such an example of like the she got showed these gigantic capital s symbols these are very like like what the hell is all this supposed to mean like what where what is she trapped in and it's not about that she went to fucking xenon it's about is something about the connection of the reality of, that she experienced about whether or not she's insane or if we just think about something and we make it up, technically we can make it physical. Yeah. Okay. And if you want to really go from a, like, if you really want to start bringing science into this whole thing, uh, they say that, you know, traveling between planets is impossible. For any other species to travel to Earth is pretty much impossible. We're just too fucking far out here. We're in the boonies of the galaxy. Oh. Uh, but it would actually be easier for beings to travel from other dimensions. Like, we actually have science that proves that other dimensions exist. Yep, and we they are going to find Elon Musk's car one day when it goes <laughs> through a black hole, and they're going to be like, this population on Earth is kind of debaggy. Yeah. He just needs to make one thing that he says <laughs> he's he going the, to do come real. Yeah, and also, if he could uh, stop drug testing his employees while uh, going on Joe Rogan and smoking weed himself, that would be great. Oh, does he Test his employees? Yeah, he's a fucking hypocrite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Elon Musk is not the god king that everyone says he is. Next, you're gonna he tell would me. be if he could fucking figure out half the shit that he says he can figure out. Then I'll be, I'll be with him. Mm-hmm. Sure. And there was also the matter of the blue book that the aliens left behind in exchange for the Bible. Now, supposedly, Betty had 10 days with the book following the abduction, but when she looked at it, she pretty much just saw like a bunch of indecipherable symbols, and after 10 days, it disappeared. Unless it went, got downloaded into her fucking brain. Yeah. No, but honestly, when you do trip on shrooms, and you're like, I got some great ideas, and you do start writing, and the next day, you're just like, cars, why? Cars. Wheels are like feet, so cars are like people. I remember writing it. I found an old journal entry I had from doing mushrooms, and it was me just being like, nobody understands grokking, man, but I understand what it means to grok. Yeah. Oh, God. So, uh, stranger in a strange land, people. Yeah, dude, it's like, it. That's how it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. That's the only, that's the thing. You can really understand grokking only when you're tripping. Yeah. And then when you're not tripping anymore, fucking goes away. Gee, I don't totally. even know what grokking is. It's gro- oh, so apparently, fucking, he, so doesn't apparently grok, he doesn't grok it. Yeah, yeah. What the hell is grok? I don't know, man. You're just not grokking it, you know. If you grok, if you grok, then you could grok what grok is. You'd be grokking it if you were if you knew what grok was. You'd already be way ahead of us. Yeah. This is why it's like, oh, we have a five hour car ride from Phoenix to L. A. And everyone's like, that must have been fun. This is all it is. (laughs) That's. 
where the story ends for us. Okay. For us. For us. But that's not where the story ended for Betty and her daughter Becky. Because after the Andresen Affair was published, Raymond Fowler wrote two more books featuring the family called The Andresen Affair Phase 2 and The Andresen Legacy. Well, she oh. she adds a lot more to the legacy. She went under regression a bunch of years later because afterwards she she stopped doing uh, hypnotic regression because I guess her life went to shit yeah. for a while. And then when she went back into it, she said that she'd been previously abducted and she'd built an entire uh, legacy of an abduction, which is common when people are abduction, but her shit just started kind of going off the rails. It really did. I mean, it went from being like a cool psychedelic experience to like a new age romp. Like it's pretty likely that after the book was published, she just started being influenced by all these other stories from all these other new age people. And that's when the cryptomnesia really took hold because her stories are pretty fucking boilerplate after that. Most of it was from from my 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 call my quote unquote expert's opinion is that it comes from her marriage to Bob Luca mm-hmm, because she did find love out of all this because oh. after the abduction Betty's marriage de- marriage deteriorated due to a quote unquote marital problem which is what people say that's shorthand for they're too into UFOs we're not this, <laughs> right, we're not right. close anymore what's yeah. the legal term for batshit crazy <laughs> um, can I file a divorce under that and apparently, right after Betty sent her letter to Dr. Hynek, the marital problem intensified, which resulted in divorce. No, non-joking, there is some stories that she was beaten very badly by her husband. We yeah. don't know. There's some of that, and uh, we th- things just kind of... Th- this changed her life. Yeah, it did. Mm. Yeah. Now, did she, was, was she able to make some cash out of this? Did she get some coins? She sold the rights to her story. The Andreessen Affair was purchased. It, by all, Universal. By Universal. But the, to be honest, this is the part of where people say... That people who uh, go on the news talk about being abducted by aliens, that they're always be opportunists looking for money. Honestly, the most she made is 15K. Really? And if, she, if that is the most she could have made with that, maybe she made other deals, but in terms of buying a life story, that's pretty much like the, the top of it. And then what's going to happen is that it's a long life of being ridiculed. Totally. Not, don't sell your story. Hold on to it. Mm-hmm. That's what we learned a long time ago. Oh, oh absolutely. So after Betty's hypnosis year, she moved to Florida and got a job as a waitress at a diner. She must have been a pip. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know if this is safe. She loves pancakes more than the tag team New Day from the WWE. I don't think we can trust her not to steal some batter. I don't think this is good. An alcoholic shouldn't be a bartender. This pancake fiend probably doesn't need to be working at a diner. Well, while she was working there, she met a man named Bob Luca. Who had just happened to be abducted by aliens as well. And that's what? how you, that's a meet cute. Yeah, yeah, it's a meet cute. But, you know, what's really fun is that, you know, both of their stories ended up being really similar. So, they got married and they spent years on the alien circuit together, happy oh. in their shared alien experiences. Oh, that's a great happy ending. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, don't listen to any of the Bob and, the Bob and Betty, Luca, uh, uh, yeah. Coast to Coast stuff. I nearly fell. I fell asleep. Oh, yeah. it's boring. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's How do you boring. make this boring? It's just droning. It's just the same story again and again. I, they trot yeah. it out and they say the same story. Well, I mean, that's uh, what me and Henry were talking about a couple of days ago is that uh, talking about and writing about alien stuff is a blast so much fun we both love doing it alien research is fucking tedious it makes your eyes cross yeah after a while because you're just reading so many different accounts and things change a little bit and then the one thing about ufo culture at all times is that someone always has to add their own agenda Mm -hmm. which is that part of it then you're reading somebody essentially trying to sell you crystals or some kind of hat or like (laughs) some kind of ration kit 
Yeah. I understand. I mean, I think I like it's like looking at an IKEA. Put uh, a uh, what do you call those things? A man a manual. A manual for an IKEA bookshelf. Yeah, oh, kind of. That's a war on the American mind. <laughs> Swedish. <laughs> I know the Swedish. It's a war. It's a it's a it's a furniture war. Mm-hmm. Bastards making us all fight with our Swedish. girlfriends. <laughs> My so, bum is on the Swedish. <laughs> that's I remember, yeah. yeah that's for the 35-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. So no matter what really happened with Betty Andresen, she believes her experiences wholeheartedly, as does her daughter, as does Bob Luca. While everything that came after the original sessions, all oh, that's pretty iffy, Betty Andresen's original experience is nevertheless a fascinating study in the field of sober psychedelic experiences. All right, there it is. And she's saving money on shrooms, saving money on acid, certainly jail time if she got arrested. Yes. (laughs) So that's good. But you know what it is? And then Bob Luca Jr., though, did come out and say something along the lines that that Bob Bob Luca Sr. was a bit of an alcoholic, and when he'd black out, that's when he'd say he got abducted by aliens. I don't know if it's true. Can we use that as an excuse? (laughs) Yes, yes. Because I just found out I canceled Spectrum Cable. Uh-huh. While you were blackout. And then I had to go through my phone, and I was like, yep, talk to them Friday morning. Um, unfortunately, I'm just going to say I'm a bit of a chrononaut, so um, I was time-traveling at the time. There's no... Uh... To be anyway. fair, you have been telling me for a while that you've been wanting to cancel yes. your Spectrum Cable. It sounds like you just made a pretty snap decision. You can see Spectrum Cable. Wake up. No, I was in Minnesota. You were camping? No, I was at the VFW, screaming on the phone, making a business call. Like, you I'm making a business call. Spectrum cable is the worst cable. Never get it. Don't succumb to the pressure that I did with the flyer. So you and Dave were talking about your your Spectrum cable. No, I was waiting for them to come. I was waiting for everyone to arrive. Uh, Yeah, so you're going to tell me how I could watch so many channels. I'll tell you how many channels. I need zero. I need zero. And then I also called Chase Bank five times uh, because they didn't have a Chase branch in Minnesota. Anyway, this is really boring, but yeah. Oh, that's what I did over the weekend. Yeah, well, thank y'all very much for listening. And uh, yes. thanks to everyone who helped make our Washington, D.C. show a sellout. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, awesome. Yeah. And uh, we've announced uh, one show on our upcoming tour. We're coming to Austin Woo-hoo. in November, and we've got a couple more dates that we're about to announce. So keep an eye out for that. But, yeah, just Google uh, last podcast on the left, Austin. We're coming mm. in early November. Uh, I think it's the first Thursday or the first Thursday in November, I think we're coming to Austin. And there was a glitch in the system. We are we are not yet announcing a show in Houston. Right. So that was a glitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was that was a bit of a glitch. Sorry for everybody who uh, who got uh, confused right. by that. It's and nothing it, to do with us. There's a lot of working parts out there. There's that a lot are of sort working of parts out of our control. So. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and sorry we didn't get to do the uh, uh, the pre sales on Austin for our Patreon because we're actually a part of the Moon Tower Festival for that one, so we can't really do pre sales for festivals. Oh. Oh, very cool. <laughs> and of course, next weekend, I believe it's next weekend, we got Pygmalion. Yeah. Which yeah. is going to be super fun. And I'm doing a small little speaking thing at Culver Stockton College yeah. on Tuesday. Ooh. So that'll be like an hour of whatever. What yeah. are you going to say? I'm talking about, you know, picking yourself uh, up and everything's <laughs> oh, going to be okay. Yeah, when you oh, get God. knocked down. You get up Let me again. tell you, you play something about Wumba back and back to back to back. When you call Spectrum, you don't take shit from these fucking channels. Honestly, people. I might bring that up. And so course, that should be a lot of fun. And of course, thanks to everyone who gives to our Patreon. Uh, if you uh, feel like we deserve a little bit of cash for what we do here, uh, you can go give at patreon.com slash lastpodcast on the left. Thanks to everyone who's given so far. You've, of course, changed our lives over the last couple years. 
Yes. It's been wonderful. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't get it any other way because now, I mean, like, I unfortunately can't go back. Yeah. Um, and my life has changed in a way in which that in other parts of society, I am, uh, I'm, I'm the anti of it. Persona non grata. Yeah, and I don't do, and I don't good, do good with the other normals. I don't go do good anymore. No. <laughs> right, right. Well, I don't think you've changed a bit. Okay, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. We love you. Hail yourself. Follow us on uh, Twitter with all the bullshit said LP on the left. Hail Satan. Hail Geen. With Goostalations. Hail me with all of your sweet goo-covered bodies. Yeah, go eat some pancakes. Yeah. Have you read anything by Isaac Asimov? I'm good. That's nice. <laughs> you trying to seduce me? Yeah. This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo, and in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host, Scott Aukerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast listen every monday wherever you get your podcasts you ever meet someone who seems kind of off whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you truth finder has you covered you can search for people by name address phone number email and more truth finder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps go to truthfinder.com podcasts for a special offer That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.